ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. <coughs> this evening we would like to complete the last uh, type of hadith that is mentioned by Sheikh Suhaib Hassan Abdul Ghaffar in his book Al-Ma'arifa Fi Ulum Al-Hadith or an introduction to the science of hadith. <coughs> And that type, the last type which he mentions is Al-Mawdu' or the fabricated hadith. But before mentioning that, just quickly, in lecture number 11 last week, we talked about uh, under the same category of classification of hadith, according to reliability and memory of the reporters, after in the previous week having discussed, discussed Al-Sahih, last week we discussed Al-Hasan, hadith Al-Hasan, and al-da'if and as far as al-hadith al-hasan we said that it is divided into two types hasan li-dhatihi that which is independently acceptable without support from others and hasan li-ghayrihi that which is raised up to the level of hasan due to support from other narrations and likewise we talked about sahih li-ghayrihi the hadith which is raised up to be to the level of sahih due to support from other narrations as opposed to what we discussed two weeks ago the classification of sahih sahih lizati the sahih which is yani, considered to be of the highest level of authenticity and it is independently on this level without support from others so both sahih and hasan are divided into two types the sahih lidatihi that which is sahih independently in and of itself and the sahih lighayrihi that which is raised up to sahih due to support from other narrations and likewise hasan is divided into two categories hasan lidatihi independently acceptable without support from other narrations and hasan lighayrihi that which is hasan was raised up to Hassan due to support from other narrations. And we said that the hadith which is Hassan Lidati is that which fulfills the five conditions of the Sahih. And those conditions are Ittisal, a Senate, that is a complete chain of narrators, Adil and Babit, that the narrators are of good character and accurate and precise in their narrations. 
and not being shad, that is, that it shouldn't be contradictory or in opposition to that which has been reported by more reliable narrators, nor having any illa qadiha, it shouldn't have any defect that affects the authenticity uh, or the correctness of the hadith. So we said that these five conditions for the hadith sahih are also applicable to Hassan, except that the accuracy of the narrator in the hadith which is Hassan is a little less, is not as precise or accurate as the one for Sahih. And we said that the ruling for the Hassan Libati is the same as the Sahih, except it is less than the Sahih in strength. And we also said that, uh, as I already mentioned, Sahih Ghayrihi, it is a hadith which is Hassan on its own merit, and then it is reported by another chain or other chains of narratives similar to it in strength or stronger, which supports it and raises it up to the level of Sahih. The Sahih Ghayrihi, it is higher or stronger than Hassan Lidatihi. It is originally a hadith Hassan Lidatihi. It is Hassan in and of itself, but because this one has other supporting narrations, then it becomes raised up to a higher level than the ordinary Hassan Lidatihi, and it is then referred to as Sahih Lidatihi. Then Hassan Lidatihi, we said concerning Hassan Lidatihi, that it is a hadith which is originally considered to be da'if or weak due to some defect, either a break in the chain or criticism of some of its narrators. But that hadith which has a minor weakness or a slight defect, if it has supporting narrations from other chains of narrators, then it can be raised up from da'if to hasan li And it's originally da'if, but it becomes hasan due to support from other narrations. And concerning Hassan Ghayrihi, we said that its conditions is that it be narrated through one or more additional chains. Yani, it's a hadith which originally has some defect, but when a similar report of the exact same wording or similar meaning is reported through additional chains, equal in strength or stronger than the original chain, then it may be raised up. This is the first condition, that it comes through additional chains of equal or uh, stronger. And B, that the reason for the original weakness was one of the following. There are minor weaknesses such as a narrator who has a poor memory, a missing link, one missing link in the chain, or a narrator being majhul, an unaccredited narrator. And he has not been certified as an accurate or reliable, acceptable narrator. So he is majhul, meaning he is unknown whether or not he is reliable or acceptable. It should not be due to a narrator being of immoral character, classic or being accused of lying, mutkahim bil kadib, in his dealing with others, nor being classified as a fabricator of hadith, kadzab, yani one who has been charged with fabricating hadith against the Prophet. Uh, concerning the hadith which is Hassan the Ghayrihi, which is raised up to Hassan, due to supporting narrations, its ruling is that it may be used as a proof in religious matters. Yani, the Sahih. لِذَاتِهِ صَحِيْهِ لِغَيْرِهِ حَسَنْ لِذَاتِهِ حَسَنْ لِغَيْرِهِ All of these four categories are acceptable as proof. The Sahih and Hasan are both categories. Both divisions of Sahih and both divisions of Hasan are acceptable as a proof. Both of them are acceptable, or all four of them are acceptable as a proof. Then we talked about the Da'if, which we said linguistically means the opposite of strong. It is a weak hadith, 
and technically it's that which does not fulfill the conditions of the, the, the Sahih nor the Hassan Hadith due to the absence of one or more of these conditions yani one of the conditions for the Hadith to be Sahih or Hassan and there are five conditions if any one of them is missing then the Hadith would be considered as Da'if and we said that the levels of Da'if just as the levels of Sahih are many and we mentioned that there is Hadith which is called Da'if which is weak and then there is Da'if Jiddan which is very weak and there is Wahi which is baseless there is Munkar weak and contradicting something more authentic yani one of the narrators is weak and, and, and likewise and not only in addition to that he has also been contradicted in what he reports or he has been opposed in what he reports by those who are more authentic than him or the text of the Hadith itself may be yani unacceptable and then there is Mawdu' which is the worst of the rejected reports and that's what we want to talk about today but before that and just in closing the Da'if we said that many of the scholars of Hadith said that the Da'if Hadith should not be used at all rejected outright and other scholars said that the Da'if Hadith can be used with certain considerations they said that it may be used for, used for encouraging the good and forbidding or discouraging evil uh, in matters other than Aqidah and in matters other than the halal and haram and then they said the conditions that should be examined if and it's not to be used in a matter of aqidah or in the sharia then they said that it should not have a major weakness that is the weakness in that hadith should not be severe it should be a minor weakness number two it, that it falls under something general already established in the sharia yani the action that that hadith is encouraging it should be an action that's already founded authenticated and legislated due to other proofs but perhaps the encouragement to do it or some reward that's mentioned or some punishment that's mentioned for doing an evil deed may not be confirmed in other hadith in that case that hadith uh, it, its foundation is established in the sharia but just the reward or punishment concerning it may not be established by another hadith in that case if it doesn't have a severe weakness and it's already proven yani the action itself uh, then the last condition is that if a person uses it that it should not be considered to be something established or having come from the Prophet ﷺ no one should say when they mention the hadith that the Prophet of Allah ﷺ said this or the Prophet of Allah ﷺ did this they shouldn't say so they shouldn't consider that this is a confirmed report of a statement or action from the Prophet ﷺ but uh, they should only act upon it with the hope that there is some reward for doing that deed which is confirmed in the Sharia or that they have avoided some punishment for an action that is already established as being prohibited or detestable in the Sharia this is what we discussed last week uh, and today we'd like to close the last topic under this section it is Hadith Mawdu'a that is the report which is fabricated and here the Shaykh Suhaib Hassan Hafizahullah says he begins by giving a definition of Mawdu'a and then he mentions some of the reasons or causes or some of the books that some of the scholars who collected hadith and he made collections of hadith concerning the fabricated hadith and also some of the reasons uh, or ways to determine hadith that is fabricated and some of the reasons why hadith were fabricated the first topic the definition of 
al-mawdu'ah. He says that al-imam al-zahabi rahimahullah defines mawdu'ah, fabricated or forged, as the term applied to a hadith or a report, the text of which goes against the established norms of the Prophet sayings. Yani, not only the Prophet sayings, but goes against the qawaid, the fundamental principles of the deen, whether it's from the sunnah or from the Qur'an, any fundamental principles that are established in Islam, if somebody narrates a hadith which goes against that, then that hadith would be considered as fabricated, without even looking at the isnad of the hadith, based on the text itself. If it is in contradiction or in opposition to those fundamental principles that are established in the deen, not only from the sayings of the Prophet but also from the Qur'an, then it would be considered as fabricated. And its reporters include a liar, Kazab, for example, the 40 hadith known as Wad'aniyah, or the small collection of a hadith which was fabricated and claimed to have been reported by Ali al-Ridha, the eighth imam, imam of the Ithna Ashra Shia. And these are two collections from amongst many collections of fabricated hadith. Uh, the important thing is that the first point he mentions that if the hadith, the text of the hadith, it is, it goes against the established principles of the deen found in the Sharia and the Quran or Sunnah, then it will be rejected as fabricated. Or if its reporters or one of its reporters in the Isnad is a liar, is someone that has been declared by the scholars of hadith as being a liar who fabricated hadith against the Prophet. In either case, that hadith would be rejected and classified as mawdu'a. If the chain contains one person who the scholars classified as a liar, a liar who lied, who fabricated hadith against the Prophet, anything he reports after that, all of it is rejected. All of it is rejected. So these are the two reasons. Either the text of the hadith contradicts the established norms, or the isnad of the hadith contains one who has been declared as a fabricator of hadith. <coughs> then he says, a number of traditionists, scholars of hadith, have collected fabricated hadith separately in order to distinguish them from other hadith. Yani, they made collections where they collected all of the fabricated hadith or many of the fabricated hadith that were known to them so that people, if they wanted to be aware of the fabricated hadith, they could look in those books and say, oh, this is a fabricated hadith. They would be able to know so that they could be warned of those hadith which have been established by the scholars as being fabrications. Amongst those scholars is Ibn Jawzi in his book, Al-Mawdu'at, Fabricated Hadith, and also Jawzaqani in his book, Kitab Al-Abaqil, the book of those things which are fabricated or baseless false reports, and Al-Imam Al-Sayuti in his book, Al-La'ali Al-Masnu'a, Fil-Ahadith Al-Mawdu'a. And also Ali Al-Qari in his book Al-Mawdu'at. And many other scholars also collected many collections of hadith including Al-Imam Al-Shawkani and others. Rahimahumullah. The collections of fabricated hadith are many. These are some of the more famous. Then he says, <coughs> how, يعني, he talks now here about the, the ways that we can know a hadith is fabricated. And he mentions two reasons. One related to the, the reporters themselves who fabricated the hadith and the other related to the text of the hadith which by, by through examination can be determined to have been fabricated some of these hadith were known to be spurious or fabricated 
by the confession of their inventors, by the confession of those who fabricated it. For example, Muhammad ibn Sa'id and Maslub used to say, it is not wrong to fabricate an isnad for a sound statement. Yani, it was his opinion that if he had a statement that he considered to be true, there was nothing wrong with fabricating a chain of narrators and attributing it to the Prophet ﷺ, since the statement was true. And in his, in his view. So he fabricated hadith. Yani, taking statements that he considered to be true, and then he put an isnad on it, and uh, attributed it to the Prophet ﷺ. Another notorious inventor or fabricator was Abdul Karim, Abdul Awja, who was killed and crucified by Muhammad ibn Sulaiman ibn Ali, the governor of Basra. He admitted that he had fabricated 4,000 hadith, declaring lawful, the prohibited, and vice versa. Yani, making things halal, which were prohibited, and declaring things prohibited, which were halal. He admitted that he fabricated 4,000 ahadith. And he was killed for doing so. Uh, the second way to determine a hadith, hadith as being fabricated, is through the text itself. Mawdu'a ahadith are also recognized by external evidence related to a discrepancy found in the dates or times of a particular incident. For example, when the second Khalifa, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, decided to expel the Jews from Khaybar, some Jewish dignitaries brought a document to Umar, apparently proving that the Prophet had intended that they stay there by exempting them from the jizya, from the tax on non-Muslims under the rule of Muslims. And they said, since the Prophet exempted us from the jizya, this was an indication that he intended us for us to stay in Khaybar, that he didn't intend for us ever to be expelled from here. So they brought this fabricated document to Umar ibn Khattab. The document, this document carried the witness of two companions, two of the Sahaba, Sa'ad ibn Mu'az, radiallahu anhu, and Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan, radiallahu anhu. Umar, radiallahu anhu, rejected the document outright, knowing that it was fabricated, because the conquest of Khaybar took place in the sixth year after the Hijrah, where Sa'ad ibn Mu'az, radiallahu anhu, died three years before that, in the third year of the Hijrah. So he couldn't have signed the document. He had already died three years before this claim document was written. He died in the year 3AH after the Hijrah, just after the Battle of the Trench. And Muawiyah only embraced Islam in the eighth year after the Hijrah, after the conquest of Mecca. So Muawiyah also couldn't have signed the document. In the sixth year of the Hijrah, when they claimed the document was written, Muawiyah hadn't yet entered Islam. So Omar immediately identified this document as being a fabrication. Also he mentions in the footnote 82, which, what, a point that's interesting, and mentions Ibn Qayyim in his book Al-Manar Al-Munif, his Sahih al-Da'if, he mentions a, a lengthy discussion concerning this matter of fabricated hadith and how to determine that it is fabricated, especially through the text. And he says, Ibn Khayyam mentions more than ten clear indications of the forgery of the document, which the Jews repeatedly attempted to use to deceive the Muslims over the centuries. And the Jews tried to come back to this document on a number of occasions, tried to deceive the Muslims with it, uh, but each time a scholar of hadith intervened to point out the forgery. Such incidents occurred with Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, the great scholar of Tafsir, the Imam of the scholars of Tafsir who died in the year 310, Al-Khatib al-Baghdadi, the great scholar of Hadith, who died in the year 463, and Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, who died in the year 728, who spat on the document, 
as it was unfolded from beneath its silken covers. So alhamdulillah, the scholars of hadith were always able to determine fabricated hadith and throughout the centuries many of the scholars, as we mentioned already, collected uh, large numbers of those fabricated hadith into collections in order to warn the people against them. Then the Shaykh Suhaib says, the author, meaning himself, in his book, The Criticism of Hadith Among Muslims, with reference to Sunan Ibn Majah, and it's one of the books that we mentioned in the introduction to the course, that is a very, very useful book. Uh, it contains much valuable information related to the science of hadith. In that book, Sheikh Suhaib has given more examples of fabricated hadith under the following eight categories of causes of fabrication. And by the way, that book contains yani, a general yani, presentation of the criticism of hadith among Muslims and specifically reference to Sunan Ibn Majah is that 10 hadith from the Sunan of Ibn Majah which some of the earlier scholars classified as being mawdu'ah, fabricated. And other scholars uh, supported Ibn Majah or defended him saying that those hadith were not fabricated. So the Shaykh in this book does a study of, those, of 10 of those hadith about which there was difference of opinion whether they were fabricated or not uh, narrating the opinions of those who said it was fabricated and the opinions of those who said that it was not and evaluating the proofs of each side trying to come to a conclusion as to whether or not each of those 10 hadith each of, if, each, if any one of them was in fact fabricated and after each hadith and the discussion of it <coughs> he mentions his own any conclusion after examining the evidences and the sayings of the various scholars concerning each of those hadith so this is really a practical study that we may look at and follow and see how a hadith is examined and how it's determined whether or not it is acceptable or not so this is a very good any practical study that is useful for those who are interested in studying hadith in any case he mentions eight categories of causes of fabrication yani eight, eight reasons why people fabricated hadith. The first of them is political differences. Yeah, any people fabricated hadith to support their political parties. Factions based on issues of creed. And some of the deviant people fabricated hadith to support their deviations in aqidah. Fabrications by the nadiqa, the enemies within, spreading heretical beliefs. And those who claimed Islam outwardly, but who were really munafiq, disbelievers, and they were amongst the Muslims fabricating hadith in order to spread false beliefs. Fabrications by storytellers, qassas, those who used to tell stories in the public places, in the masjids and other public places, in order to uh, get people around them, they used to fabricate hadith with some yani, amazing or interesting or fantastic stories in order to attract the uh, attention of the people. Fabrications by ignorant ascetics, yani those who, uh, due to their ignorance, fabricated hadith in order to get people to, as they thought, to come closer to the deen or to practice certain things that weren't, were not really reported from the Prophet Prejudice in favor of town, race, or a particular imam. Yani those who were ta'asub, yani prejudice or fanatics towards their town or their people or their nation or their tribe or their madhab, and they used to fabricate hadith in support of their madhab or their tribe or their nation or whatever to show its superiority over others. Inventions for personal motives, some of them used to fabricate hadith in order to get some personal benefit, like fabricating hadith for the rulers and those things that would be pleasing to them in order to get some money from them or some worldly benefits. 
And finally, Proverbs turned into a hadith. And some famous sayings or maxims uh, that were passed down through the ages. And some people uh, took them and attributed them to the Prophet as though they were actually from his sayings. Similar to the last category above, the Proverbs which were turned into hadith, is the case of the Israeliyat or the traditions or sayings that are narrated from the Bani Israel, the Christians and Jews, the Ahl Kitab, narrations from the Jews and the Christians which were wrongly attributed to the Prophet The Prophet allowed his companions to narrate the reports from the Ahl Kitab. But not to confirm, not to confirm them, but just to narrate them. And some people, due to this practice, some people actually attributed some of those statements, yani, falsely, incorrectly or mistakenly, some of them attributed some of those statements to the Prophet wrongly. Uh, on the handout concerning al mawdu'a we give the definition, linguistic and technical definition and the ruling, and how it is, how is the fabricated hadith known, and the reasons for fabrication, and the types of people who did it. So if you look at the handout, also perhaps there is some uh, extra information here that may be useful from amongst them, the, the linguistic definition of mawdu'a is that which is put down, and it's something that has been put down or laid down. It is named as such due to its lowly status. And yani the hadith which is fabricated is named mawdu'a because it has a low status. It's not something raised up, but it's something that is put down. Technically, it is kevid, a lie, mukhtalaq, invented, masnu'a, manufactured, which is then attributed to the Prophet ﷺ. Yani some a lie or something invented or manufactured, which is then attributed to the Prophet ﷺ. Somebody made up a lie, then they said it is the saying of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is the most evil and ugliest of the weak hadith. Some scholars consider it to be in a completely separate division. Yani not considered to be from hadith, but it is a separate class amongst itself and that it is not one of the types of weak hadith. A hadith is called mawdu'a when one or more of its narrators is known to have lied against the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yani whenever there is a person who is known to have lied against the Prophet, not accused, but known to have lied against the Prophet, on one occasion even, then all of the hadith which are reported through him, that he is included in the chain, are rejected as mawdu'a. And the other way is that the text of the hadith itself may be in difference with what is well known in the deen of Islam, in the Sharia. It's ruling, scholars have agreed that it is not permissible to narrate it, and it's not permissible to narrate fabricated hadith, although we find many people today especially in some of the Friday khutbah or in lectures or in uh, circles where they are encouraging people to you know, do whatever kind of thing, some groups they are well known for narrating fabricated hadith without consideration of the fact that it is haram it is haram to attribute to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, that which is known to have been fabricated, known to have been a lie so the scholars are in agreement that it is not permissible, it is not lawful to narrate it except that it is accompanied with clear mention of it being a fabrication. Yani the only way that we may mention it is that when we mention it we should say clearly that this is not really a saying of the Prophet. This is a lie. It has been manufactured, fabricated. It has been invented. Then you may say it. But not just to say it without indicating to the people that it is a lie. This is due to uh, yani the fact that it is prohibited 
It is due to the hadith reported by Muslim in the introduction to his book, in the introduction to Sahih Muslim, whoever narrates from me that which he thinks or knows that it may be a lie, then he is one of the two liars. And whoever narrates a hadith which he thinks that it's a lie, or he knows that it's a lie, he thinks it, he's not sure, but he thinks maybe it's a lie, or if he knows that it's a lie, in either case, then he is one of the two liars. Yani one of them, the one who fabricated, is one of the liars, and the other lie is the one who passed it on to others. And even though that person didn't invent the lie himself, but when you pass on that which you are not sure is it really a statement of the Prophet, and you suspect that perhaps it may be a lie, then you become included amongst those liars who fabricated against the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this hadith, the wording of it, من حدث عني بحديث يرى أو يرى أنه كذب فهو أحد الكاذبين أو كذابين يرى, the scholars said, some of them said يرى, يعني هو يرى, he knows that it's a lie أو يرى means يظن, he thinks that it may be a lie so that's why we translate it in this way because the hadith has been reported with both readings يرى أو يرى which means that he knows it's a lie or he thinks that it may be a lie in either case he is considered as one of the liars how is the fabricated hadith known? number one it's known by al-ikra confession by, one, by the one who has fabricated it if somebody admits that they fabricated it that's one way to know the other way to know that which is equivalent to a confession such as a narrator reporting from a particular scholar and when the narrator is asked about his own date of birth he mentions his date of birth as being after the death of the scholar from whom he claims to report from and if somebody was born after the death of the person he's claiming to report from then this is an indirect admission that he didn't hear from him so this is يعني, it's equivalent to a confession though it's indirect the third way is Qarina fi Arrawi an apparent indication in the narrator himself and there is some indication in the narrator himself such as the narrator who is a Rafidi Shia whose report concerns the virtues of Ahlul Bayt the family of the Prophet ﷺ from Ali and Fatima radiallahu anhum ajma'in yani this is a qarina or an apparent indication in the rawi, the narrator the fact that he's a rafidi and he's narrating hadith in support of his false madhab and likewise any person from a deviant group who narrates hadith in support of their deviation this is a qarina or an apparent indication in the rawi. The other way is qarina fil marwi, an apparent indication in the narration. The marwi is the narration, that which is reported. Such as the report which is poorly worded, raqiqa al love, unbefitting of the eloquence of the Prophet. Yani, if somebody narrates a hadith and the wording of the hadith is poor Arabic, and the Prophet his standard of Arabic was the highest of Arabic, it was the highest standard of eloquence in Arabic language then if somebody narrates a hadith the wording of it يعني, is unbefitting of يعني, being from the wording of the Prophet وسلم, this is also an indication or a qarina in the report or the marwi these are some of the ways to know that a hadith is fabricated reasons for fabrication uh, seeking name is to Allah at-taqarrub ila Allah seeking name is to Allah and his reward this was done by those who fabricated hadith which encourage the people to do good deeds and hadith which frighten the people from doing evil deeds this group is the worst of the fabricators they were considered to be people of righteousness yani by the people who took the hadith from them they considered these people to be people of righteousness who had no desire for worldly life 
Due to this, the people trusted them and accepted their fabricated narrations without question. Yani they fabricated hadith claiming that they were doing it to get near to Allah. Yani to get people to do good deeds and to get people to stay away from evil deeds. But in fact, the act of fabrication is, is one of the worst of deeds that a person can do. And these people are the worst because they were trusted. They weren't doing it to get money. They weren't doing it to get near to the rulers. But they were doing it as they claimed to get near to Allah, but through an illegal way. Yani, by fabricating against the Prophet ﷺ, that which they thought was helpful, when in fact, it, it, it is a way of destroying the deen, by attributing to him that which he didn't say. To support their madhab, yani, al-intisar lil-madhab, their school of thought. This is especially so after the appearance of groups such as the Khawarij and the Shia and the Mu'tazila and so on. After this time, much hadith was fabricated by these people in order to support their deviations. Atta'an fil Islam, to disgrace or attack Islam, and it was done by those who professed Islam in order to deceive the Muslims. They were unable to attack Islam openly, so they resorted to fabrication of hadith to give a false image of Islam. And even we find people today amongst the Muslims making false statements representing Islam. They themselves give the appearance that they are Muslims, and then they make false statements against Islam in order to give a false image of Islam. And some amongst these are the so-called modern thinkers of today who say that, who try to uh, present the idea that Islam, it, um, it doesn't really call for cutting off the hand of the thief, and Islam doesn't really allow polygamy, and Islam, whatever their, their own opinions that they offer, uh, in claiming that they are defending Islam, defending Islam when in fact they are actually making a false picture of Islam with their own ideas. Seeking to flatter or earn the favor of the rulers, التزلف إلى الحكام This was done by those of weak faith who would fabricate hadith to agree with the deviations and desires of the rulers in order to get close to the rulers to get their favors. التكسب والطلب الرزق Seeking to earn a living or livelihood. This was done by some of the storytellers who earned a living by telling stories to the people. So they would narrate some entertaining or amazing stories which would attract the people to listen to them and in turn give them money. قصد الشهرة Seeking fame or notoriety. This was done by narrating strange hadith which are not reported by any of the scholars of hadith. They would change the, train, the chain of narrators, the isnad, in order to report through a chain or an isnad which is unusual to encourage the people to narrate from them since no one else would have reported it by this chain. And if somebody, many of the scholars, they used to narrate a metin, a text, a statement from the Prophet ﷺ through many different scholars. They would maybe narrate the same hadith through different scholars. And in collecting these chains, it was a means of strengthening and yani, giving strength to the authenticity of the hadith which has been reported through different isnads or sanid. So these people, they would invent chains that of course nobody else would be able to report because they invented it. Then people who wanted to narrate that hadith through different chains would come to them because they were the only person who narrated from this chain, this invented chain. And this was their way of becoming famous and getting the attraction of people to come to listen to hadith from them. So this is uh, what we wanted to cover concerning hadith al-Nawdu'ah, fabricated hadith. Uh, and the end of the book, section C, deals with other topics related to hadith, which 
there's no way to cover, there are so many. Um, and so he just mentions them in brief. Perhaps we can go through them uh, briefly with some explanation because some of them are not really clear. And in section C on page 38, he says, further branches of mustalah and rijal al-hadith. The above mentioned classification of hadith, the ones which we mentioned so far, which were 25, the above mentioned classification of hadith plays a vital role in ascertaining the authenticity of a particular narration. Ibn al-Salah, rahimahullah, mentions 65 terms in his book, the Muqaddimah of Ibn al-Salah, dealing with Mustalah hadith. He mentions 65 terms or categories to be, uh, or branches of the study of hadith, uh, of which 23 have been discussed above. 23 we discussed in this small introduction to science of hadith, we discussed 23 of his 65 plus two further types not included by Ibn Salah, Mu'allaq and Mutawatir have been dealt with from other sources. In other words, Mu'allaq and Mutawatir are not amongst the 65 categories that Ibn Salah discussed in his book. So they were added. Sheikh uh, Suhaib added those to the 23 which he took from Ibn Salah and he added to it two making 25 categories which we have discussed and of the 65 that Ibn Salah discussed 42 are remaining and he, we took 23 from Ibn Salah and he discussed 65 so there are 42 topics remaining the remaining 42 types follow in brief which help further distinguish between different types of narrations and if there are 42 types remaining we discussed 23 from Ibn Salah and 2 from other sources there are still 42 remaining from the Al-Muqaddimah uh, of Ibn Salah and here he just discussed them in brief just to have some awareness of these topics of the most important of them and some of them are obviously yani more immediately beneficial to know about of the most important of them is the knowledge of Atibar, consideration, mutaba'a, follow-up and shawahid witnesses traditionists are always in search of strengthening support for a hadith which is reported by one source only. Yani if a hadith came through one isnad, then the scholars used to look for other isnads to strengthen it so that we would be more sure of its authenticity. Such research looking for other isnads for a particular hadith is termed irtibar. Irtibar means to consider something or to search for or to look at, to examine. When the hadith came through one isnad, they used to try to find other chains or other reports similar to it in meaning to give support to it. This is called if a supporting narration is not found for a particular hadith, it is declared as fard mutlaq. We discussed this when we discussed the types of hadith ahad. We said that hadith is divided into mutawatir and ahad. And ahad is divided into gharib and aziz and mashhur. And under gharib we talked about the hadith gharib is sometimes referred to as fard. Gharib or fard. And here, and we talked in that point about fard mutlaq which means absolutely singular. Yeah, and it only came from one chain. Or gharib. Fad mutlaq or gharib means a hadith that only came from one chain. If it is aziz, it has two chains. If it is mashur, it has three or more. This is from a hadith ahad. So here he says, when a hadith only has one chain, they used to look for other chains to try to give it strength and support. Concerning this matter, a hadith that appears to be يعني غريب وفرد مطلق with only one chain if the hadith is reported through the following isnad Hamad ibn Salama from Ayyub from ibn Sarin from Abu Huraira رضي الله عنه from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم if the hadith came through this chain 
research would be done to ascertain whether another trustworthy reporter has narrated it from Ayyub. Yani the first one in the chain is Hamad ibn Salama who narrated from Ayyub. If they found somebody else on the same level as Hamad ibn Salama who narrated from Ayyub, through the chain of Ayyub, from Ayyub ibn Sirin, from Abu Hurairah, from the Prophet ﷺ, if another trusted reporter narrated from Ayyub, it is called Mutaba'a Tama, full follow-up. Yani here there is support from him. Because somebody also narrated from Ayyub from the same chain. Another person other than Hamad ibn Salama. So this is called Mutaba'a. It is Mutaba'a Tama because the same Shaykh that Hamad ibn Salama narrated from, somebody else narrated from the same Shaykh. If somebody narrated from the same Shaykh, this is not only Mutaba, but it's Mutaba Tama. Perfect Mutaba, because from the same Shaykh that he narrated from. If not, if we didn't find anybody who narrated from his Shaykh, Ayyub, but we look down the line to Ibn Sirin, or somebody else who narrated from Abu Huraira, from the Prophet from the same hadith. Yani if we didn't find anybody from his Shaykh, but a reporter other than Ayyub narrating from, for example, further down the chain, Ibn Sirin, or Abu Huraira, then uh, if so, it will be called Mutaba'a Qasira or Naqisa. Qasira or Naqisa means it's a Mutaba'a, it supports him, but it's not Tama, it's not a perfect support because it's not from his Shaykh, but it's from somebody else further down the chain, his Shaykh, Shaykh, or on down the line. This one is Mutaba'a Qasira, incomplete follow-up. But both of them are Mutaba'a, and they support him because it's a similar chain, Though it's not the exact same complete chain, yani from his sheikh, but it may be from his sheikh, sheikh, or someone down the line. So this is mutaba'a tama from his sheikh, or qasira from his sheikh, sheikh, or someone further down the line. Also reported, reporting from Abu Huraira, the same hadith from the Prophet Then he says, there's a distinction between mutaba'a and shawahid. In the beginning he said knowledge, number one, knowledge of ittiba'a, consideration, Mutaba'a follow-up and shawahid witnesses. Ittiba'a is this search for other chains. And they used two categories or two classifications to classify the hadith which they found in their researching, looking for extra isnad. Either mutaba'a or shawahid. Here the shaykh says, whereas mutaba'a applies to the isnad, that is other narrations from the same reporters or from the same sahabi. And if it's from the same sahabi, then it's called Mutaba'ah. A narration which supports the text or the meaning of the original hadith, although it may be through a completely different isnad or a different sahabi, is called Shahid. Yani, the meaning of this statement, to clarify it, it means that if the hadith is reported through the same sahabi, same chain through that sahabi like Abu Huraira, this is called Mutaba'ah. This is called Mutaba'ah. But if it's not reported to the same, through the same Sahabi, then it's called Shahid. Yani maybe a different Sahabi, like Ibn Umar, narrated the same meaning, or the same Hadith, same words. But not through Abu Hurairah, through Ibn Umar. So here he's saying that if it came through the same reporters, same Sahabi, that's Mutaba'ah. But if it came through a different chain, or different Sahabi, then this is a Shahid. Both of them are used to support the Hadith, but they just use two terminologies to uh, classify those which came through the same Sahabi, they called Mutaba'ah. But if it came through a different Sahabi, they called it a Shahid, a witness. Both of them are supporting the Hadith. Some of the scholars explain these two terms differently than the way it is explained here. Some of the scholars said that Mutaba'ah and Shahid has a different meaning. 
Another meaning, which is not written here, but another meaning for mutaba and shawahid. Mutaba may mean that the hadith has the same text, same wording. No matter if it's same sahabi or not, but the same wording. Not looking to the sahabi, but looking to the wording. If the wording is the same, even through a different sahabi, they call that mutabia. Yani mutabia, they said, means the wording is the same, not the same sahabi. Okay, this is a different definition for mutabia. And shahid means that uh, the wording is not the same, but the meaning, the meaning of the hadith is the same. Yani not the exact text, but having the same meaning. This is not written here, but this is another definition for mutabia and shawahid. Mutabia means that the exact wording is reported, even if it's from a, from a different sahabi. And shawahid or shahid means the meaning of that hadith is reported, meaning not the exact literal text, but the meaning of it is reported, no matter from the same sahabi or another. Yani in other words, this definition, it doesn't consider same sahabi or different sahabi. They're not even looking at that. But they're saying mutabia means when you report a hadith with the same exact wording, no matter if it's from the same chain or different chain, same sahabi or different sahabi, we don't care. But what we're concerned about is the text. If the text is the same, this is mutabia. If the text is not the same, but the meaning of it is the same, then that's shahid. Without consideration of the isnad or the sahabi. So there are two definitions for mutabia and shawahid. One of them is in consideration of the text. If it's the same, or if only the meaning comes, without looking at the isnad. And the other one is the one he gives here, looking at the isnad. If the sahabi is the same, that's mutabi'ah. If the sahabi is different, that's shahid. Okay? So there are two definitions, just to be aware of it. The important thing is that, and not only that, but some scholars said that mutabi'ah and shahid, they mean the same. You can use them interchangeably. So the important thing is anytime a hadith came with the literal exact meaning or similar meaning from the same isnad or different sahabi, it doesn't matter. Whenever it came with the exact meaning or a similar meaning through any chain, it may be called mutabi'ah or shawahid. In any case, the important thing is that these types of hadith support one another. And that's what we're talking about, i'tibar. It means to look for other chains through the same sahabi or different sahabi with the exact literal text or similar meaning that support that hadith in order to raise it up to make it... Uh, let's just look at some of these types. We won't complete them today. But let's just look at some of them as much as we can. And then, inshallah, uh, we'll stop at the end. The second type is afraad, singular narrations. Yani those narrations that only came through one chain. The next one, the type of character required in an acceptable reporter. Yani what is the description of a narrator? whose report should be acceptable. And this is a science uh, or chapter that should be discussed. But here he's just passing through it. And what is the description? The scholars discuss. What is the description of a narrator who we accept reports from him? So we will know who we accept from and who we don't accept from. Number four, the way hadith is heard and the different ways of acquiring hadith. And this means how a hadith is received. There are different ways. The main ones is sama'a, which means that, you, that the shaykh who is narrating the hadith, that he reads the hadith and the students hear it from him. The other one is ard or qira'a, which means that one of the students reads the hadith and the shaykh is listening to make sure he reads it properly. 
And he's a hadith that he wants to narrate, he has one of the students read it. And he's listening. And the people narrate the hadith from that shaykh. Both of these are very, very strong ways of receiving or acquiring hadith. And there are other ways such as al-ijaza, where the scholar gives permission that you may narrate the hadith that I have in my book. Without him actually reporting the hadith to you or, here, or someone reading them in front of him, he just says you have permission to narrate hadith from me, from this particular book, whatever. And this is also another way that hadith may be received. And the ways of receiving hadith are so many, it's a whole subject in and of itself. Number five, how a hadith is written and punctuation marks used. That means when someone writes the hadith, what are the rules or guidelines for the actual writing of the hadith? Yani for example, writing, when you write Qala Rasul Sallallahu actually writing out. The scholar said you have to write out Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You shouldn't write Saad Ain Meem or as we write in English S-A-W or P-B-U-H. This is unacceptable to the scholars of hadith. Likewise, the words that may be difficult or misunderstood, the voweling should be put in. At the end of every hadith, a circle with a number to separate one hadith from another should be used. This is what he is talking about when he says how a hadith is written and punctuation marks. Yani the actual, the action of writing the hadith. What are the rules and guidelines for writing of hadith so that there is no confusion in The way a hadith is reported. Uh, that means uh, whether the hadith is reported from the memory of the person the, who is reporting it or from his writing. And he wrote the hadith down or he memorized it. This is a discussion of the things related to the reporting of hadith. Whether a person reports from their memory or reports from their books where they have recorded the hadith. The man is required in traditionists. What are the adab of the scholars of hadith when they teach their students? What kind of etiquette they should follow? And what are the manners required of the students of hadith? Yani the tulab. Those who are studying hadith, what are the manners that they should display to their teacher who is teaching them hadith? Knowledge of a higher or lower isnad, that is one with less or more reporters respectively. Yani the hadith, that is al-isnad al-ali, it means it is high isnad. And nazil, it means lower isnad. Ali, it means that it has less narrators in the chain. For example, between Bukhari and the Prophet are three narrators. This is an isnad ali, high Isnad, because it only has a few. Whereas other narrations from Bukhari, Nazil means it has a lot of narrations, like five or six or seven between the Prophet and Al-Bukhari. This is another science. Knowledge of difficult words, yani Al-Gharib, Gharib al-Hadith, there are many, many books written explaining this science. The explanation of words which are difficult, which even the Arabs themselves and educated people don't know the meaning of. So there are scholars who took the difficult words from Hadith and actually searched for the meanings and recorded them in books dealing with gharib al-hadith or knowledge of difficult words. Knowledge of abrogated hadith. This is dealing with al-nasikh wal-mansukh. Yani those hadith which have been abrogated and the hadith which abrogated them. This is another science that scholars wrote books about. These hadith are narrated or abrogated and which are the hadith which abrogated them. Yani which cancelled them so that they shouldn't be acted upon even though they were reported from the Prophet ﷺ with an authentic chain of narration, but it has been abrogated later on. Like the Prophet ﷺ in the beginning, he prohibited the people from visiting graves. And later on, he allowed them to visit the graves because it reminds you of the next life and reminds you of death. But in the beginning when the people were new in Islam coming from paganism, he forbid them from visiting the graves because it might lead to shirk. Because they used to worship in the graves. So this is also another sign what has been abrogated and what has abrogated 
Number 12, knowledge of altered words in a text or isnad. This is musahaf or muharraf. Musahaf means when the words have been altered in the text, the, the metin or the isnad, the chain of narratives, due to the dots. Like sheen has three dots and seen has no dots. And ta has two dots and sa has three dots and ba has one dot underneath. When those dots are changed, the words become changed. This is musahaf. Words are changed in the isnad or in the text. And muharraf means the voweling is changed. Yani the voweling, if you change the voweling in the word in Arabic, it will change the meaning. Although the, the letters look the same, but the voweling also makes a difference. So this is another science, the, the science of altered words. Knowledge, number 13, knowledge of contradictory hadith. This is mukhtalif al-hadith, which is a very, very important science, which needs to be studied. Actually, this topic should have been given some time. Because mukhtalif hadith means when two hadith appear to be contradictory, what do we do with them? The first thing is we try to make reconciliation between them. If we can show that there is no real contradiction, though it appears to be in opposition, but actually if you examine it carefully, as some of the scholars did, I remember Shafi wrote concerning this topic, Mukhtalif hadith, and other scholars wrote books concerning it, many times they showed that what appeared to be in opposition to another, really it was not a contradiction. There was no ikhtilaf between them. And if we cannot make reconciliation between them, then we look at which one came first and which one came last. If we know the, the, the date, which one came first and which one came last, then we will say the one that came first is abrogated. And the one that came last abrogates it. So we act on the one that came last. This is Nasikh wal Mansukh. And if we don't know the date, then we try to see which one is stronger. This is called Tarjih to see which of those two apparently contradictory hadith is stronger and if we can determine that one is stronger due to the narrators or the chains of narration or other evidences outside supporting one over the other then we will say this one is the Raji, we act upon it and this one is the Marjuh, we reject it if we cannot make reconciliation and we don't know the, the date in order to say one is abrogating the other and we can't show that one is superior to the other then tawakkuf, then we stop and we don't act on either of them this is two hadith which appear to be contradictory and we cannot reconcile and we cannot know which one abrogates the other and we can't give yani, preference to one over other then we don't act on either of them. This is the subject of mukhtalif hadith and it's a lengthy topic which requires more explanation. Number 14, knowledge of additions made to an isnad that is by an inserting the name of an additional reporter. Yani, this is al-mazid from al al-asanid it means that an isnad which appears to be complete, muttasal, without a break in it, is reported by somebody else with an extra narrator in it. An additional reporter. But the, without the reporter, it appears already to be complete. So this is also a subject that requires examination to see is that extra reporter really added in there, wrongly, or does he belong there? This is al-mazid muttasal al-asani. The next one, 15, is knowledge of a well-concealed type of mursal hadith. Any mursal hadith, we said, is a tabi'i reporting directly from the Prophet ﷺ without mentioning who is between him and the Prophet. And there are some mursal hadith which are called mursal khafi, in which it is mursal, but it is not easily detected. It is, as he says here, a well-concealed type of mursal, because perhaps the person who narrated the hadith mursal it appears as though it's not mursal. Only after careful examination, it is realized that it is a mursal hadith. Right. Let's just stop for a moment. We cannot for the adhan.
Uh, maybe we take 10 minutes after the adhan, inshallah. Inshallah. Let us try to complete as much of it as possible. And the next topic is knowledge of the companions, as Sahaba. And knowing who is the Sahabi, what is the definition of Sahabi, and distinguishing those who are really Sahaba from those who are not. And this is important to know because the Sahabi, any companion of the Prophet, his reports are accepted without consideration. Knowledge of the successors, that is the Tabi'un, the students of Sahaba, what is the definition, and who was from amongst them and who was not. Knowledge of elders reporting from younger reporters. Yani al-akabir, akabir, al-ruwat, and al-asafi, a younger person. When normally the younger person narrates from the older person. But this is also a topic that some of the scholars discuss. When all the people narrate from those, yani their teachers or their sheikhs were younger than them. Sometimes considerably younger. Knowledge of reporting, of reporters, Similar in age, reporting from each other. Al-Aqran. Yani when those who are on the same level reported from each other. Though normally, the people used to report from those who are ahead of them or older than them. Or sometimes people reported from those who are from of similar age. Knowledge of brothers and sisters among reporters. Yani Al-Ikhwa wal-Akhawat min al-Ulama wal-Ruwat. It means those who, amongst the scholars and the reporters of hadith, whose sisters or brothers were also scholars. Like Muhammad ibn Sirin, the great scholar of the Tabi'een, and his sister, she was also a great scholar and narrator of hadith. And so was one of his brothers. Knowledge of fathers reporting from their sons. Yani sometimes the father reported hadith from his son, who was obviously younger than him. Or knowledge of sons reporting from their fathers. Knowledge of cases where, for example, two reporters report from the same authority, from the same sheikh, one in his early life, in the early life of the sheikh and the other in his old age. When the sheikh was old, another person reported from him many, many years later. In such cases, the dates of death of the two reporters will be of significance. Yani, they will be significantly different. Yani, somebody narrated from the sheikh when he was very young and another person narrated from him at the end of his life and he lived a long life. So, both of those narratives, though both of them are his students, but they died long apart, maybe, long distance. And this is the case, for example, of Muhammad ibn Ishaq al-Thaqafi, who was one of the sheikhs of Bukhari. Bukhari died in the year 256. And another student of the same sheikh, Abu Hassan Ahmad ibn Muhammad al-Khaffaf, died in the year 394. Yani 137 years after Bukhari died. 137 years between them, both of them narrated from the same sheikh. Yani Bukhari was old when he narrated from this sheikh in his early life. And that person was young when he narrated from the sheikh in the end of his life. So between them, two students of the same sheikh, one of them, Al-Bukhari, died in the year 256, and his other student died in the year 393, and 137 years later. Both of them students of the same sheikh. And this is another science that the scholars dealt with. Number 24, knowledge of such authorities from whom only one person reported. Yani, a sheikh that doesn't have any student who reported from him except one person. And this person, if he has not been accredited, he's called Majhul, Majhul Al-Ain, only one reporter from him. Knowledge of such reporters who are known by a number of names and titles. Yani bi asma mukhtalifa wa muta'addida. They were known by different names and different descriptions, and this was a cause for many people to think that they were different people, though they were one and the same person. Because sometimes people reported from him by this name, sometimes by another name, sometimes by one description, sometimes by another description. 
knowledge of unique names amongst the companions in particular and the reporters in general. Yani some names that were very unique and they were the only person known by that name, either from amongst Sahaba or those who came after them. Knowledge of names and by names, yani meaning kunya, yani like Abu, uh, Abu Burda or Umm Salama, these are what are known as kunya or kunya names. Uh, knowledge of by names by reporters known by their names only. Yani knowing the kunya of those reporters who were only known by their names. They were not known by their kunya, but some of the scholars searched for what to know what was their kunya, so that they would also they could also be identified by their by names, as he calls it here, kunya. Knowledge of nicknames, al qab of the traditionists. Yani some of the uh, names that some of the scholars were known by other than their actual names. Uh, also, this is another sign. Knowledge of Mu'atalif and Mukhtalif. That means Mu'atalif and Mukhtalif means those names of reporters which were written similarly but pronounced differently. Yani, the letters, the huruf in Arabic language are exactly the same but the voweling is different. And here he gives the example of Quraiz and both of them are written exactly the same, except the voweling is different. Yani both of them are kaf, ra, ya, zay, but the voweling is different. So one of them is pronounced kurez and the other kariz. And, and likewise, salim and sulaim, and so many other names. The, the letters are the same, but the voweling is different. This is also another science. Knowledge of muttafiq and muftariq, similar names but different identities. For example, Hanafi. There are two reporters who are called by this name Hanafi. One because of his tribe from Banu Hanifa and the other because of his attribution to a particular madhab, the Hanafi school of, of yani fiqh. So this is yani, two people who have similar identities, similar names they are referred to by, but they are actually different people. Names covering both of the previous types. Yani, those names which include uh, uh, type number 30 and type number 31. Yani, it may have the person's name may be written similar but pronounced differently due to the difference in the vowel and likewise though their names are similar but yet they are two different people. Combination of both of these things. Names looking similar but they differ because of the difference in their father's names. For example, Yazid ibn al-Aswad and al-Aswad ibn Yazid. Yani, their names are almost the same except that Yazid is the name of one person and his father is Al-Aswad and the other one, Al-Aswad is his name and his father is Yazid. So it's turned around. Names attributed to other than their fathers, for example, Ismail ibn Umayyah. In this case, Umayyah is not his father, but Umayyah is his mother's name. Yani, normally a person is attributed to their father by their father's name. So this is also another topic. Knowledge of such titles which have a meaning different from what they seem to be. For example, Abu Mas'ud al-Badri. Not because he witnessed the Battle of Badr. He is not called al-Badri because he was, he, was at, he was present at the Battle of Badr, but because he came to live there. Because he lived in Badr, then he was known as al-Badri. So the name appears, if somebody first heard it, they would say he was, he was one of the people who fought in the Battle of Badr. But actually he was called al-Badri because he lived in Badr. And likewise, Muawiyah ibn Abdul Karim al-Dal. The one going astray, the one who was astray, not because of his beliefs, he wasn't astray in his beliefs, but because he lost his way while traveling to Mecca. So he was known as Abdal. And Abdul ibn Muhammad, Ad-Ba'if, the weak, 
not because of his reliability in hadith, because he was a weak narrator, but due to his weak physique. Because he was physically weak, he was known as a daif, but he wasn't a daif reporter. Knowledge of ambiguous reporters by finding out their names. Yani those who are mubham means that a person has been narrated, who has been mentioned in Ismat without mentioning his name. That's mubham. We don't know exactly who he is. And this, uh, this area deals with identifying who those people actually are. And this is different from muhmal, which means that a person's name has been mentioned. But his name is similar to somebody else's name. So sometimes these two people get mixed up. Because they identified him by one name, and they didn't, like Sufyan, there's Sufyan Athauri and Sufyan Ibn Uyayna. If they say Sufyan, we don't know which one they're talking about, except by looking at the dates of the people who narrated from them, because they were from different time periods. So Mubham means the person has not been named. Whereas Muhmal, which he doesn't mention here, means the person has been named, but he has not been clearly identified. And we already talked about Majhul, which means that the person has been named, but he has not been accredited. Knowledge of the dates of birth and death of reporters. Yani knowing when various reporters were born and when they died in order to know their time periods, to know which sheikhs they could have narrated from and which ones they could not have narrated from and who could not have narrated from them and so on. Knowledge of trust, trustworthy and weak reporters, al-thiqat with du'afa, and we talked about this in the introduction in the books of al-thiqat, the reliable narrators, and the du'afa, the weak narrators, and the biographies of them are contained in books so that we will know who we should accept from and who we should not. Knowledge of trustworthy reporters who became confused in their old age, and this is called ikhtilat or mukhtalit, and this means that a person in the end of his life, though he had been a trustworthy reporter earlier, but due to his memory going bad in old age, or he went blind, or his books were burned or lost, and then he used to narrate from his memory, so he got confused in the end, and his reports after ikhtilat are rejected. But his reports before ikhtilat, before he became confused in old age, are accepted. And this is also a very important yani, subject. Knowledge of contemporaries in a certain period, yani, not books which contain the scholars who were from the same period. Narrators or scholars who were from the same period. This is called tabaqat. And there are many books like this. Knowledge of free slaves, mawali, amongst the reporters, and yani, from the reporters and the scholars of hadith those who had been previously in slavery and were freed and became great scholars. Also there are books containing the names and biographies of these people. And finally, knowledge of the homeland and hometowns of reporters, yani the Autan and the Buldan, yani the places where various scholars or narratives of hadith were from, where they were from and where they traveled to, knowing about this. Also, as a means of identifying who they met and who they didn't meet uh, in examining hadith. So this is the end, alhamdulillah, of this section. And we raced through it very quickly. If we were to discuss each of these topics in detail as we did the previous 25, we'll be going for another six months. But in any case, we have finished now. The only thing remaining is the verdict on the hadith which we discussed in the introduction. Perhaps we may discuss some of them, inshallah. But in any case, we have completed the main uh, uh, text of the book and the main topics that we wanted to discuss. And inshallah, if there are any comments or questions uh, or corrections, um, inshallah, we will uh, look at those things in the next uh, lecture. In the next lecture, inshallah, we'll look at some of these hadith and try to go over some of the things yani, in discussing these hadith, some of what we have discussed of the various types of hadith that we took in detail. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika.
اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك الله